how to see and share Jesus from all of Scripture, well, learn with us at the Christ Centered and Clear podcast. Welcome to the Christ Center and Clear podcast. We're in week three of a series by John Aiken called How to Foolproof Your Family. Today's message is entitled How to Have a Happy Marriage. We hope this will be a help to you in your home and your marriage as you listen to John Aiken apply the book of Proverbs uh, to your life by pointing it to Christ. Today we're going to be in the book of Proverbs to go to Proverbs chapter five as we continue our series on Proverbs, Foolproofing Your Family. And we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 5 here in a second. Now, you're going to see a, a picture on the screen of a guy who took a selfie while he was scuba diving with a shark right behind him. And that's a really intense picture. And the story behind that picture is that there was a, a couple from Oregon who got married and they were in South Florida off uh, Miami uh, at, snorkeling and, and having some time in the water as part of their honeymoon. And while they were under the water, the, the husband sees this shark and thinks this is the perfect time to get a selfie. And so gets out the camera and lines it up and takes a picture of that shark right behind him. And the moment he took that picture right afterwards, the shark attacked him and bit him and he starts losing blood. And the people that they're you know snorkeling with get the husband onto the boat. And, and his legs been ripped off by the beast and they get to shore and get him in an ambulance and on the way to a hospital there in Miami, he dies in the arms of his newlywed bride. Now, the, the sad part about that story is it's not true, okay? It's completely a hoax. The photo was photoshopped and that didn't happen and somebody made up that story to try to freak people out or whatever. It, it is not true. It did not happen. What is true is that in 2015, more people died trying to take selfies than were killed by sharks. I mean, think about that. 2015, more people died by selfie than died by shark attack. And you can see all these crazy pictures of people on top of skyscrapers or on cliffs or between trains where they're, they're, they're doing all this stuff to line things up so they can get the, the cutest selfie and so they can get all these kind of likes from people for the, for the picture they post. And, and, and there were hundreds of people in 2015 who died trying to get the perfect selfie. Now, you and I may say to ourselves, that is so dumb. Why would somebody risk their life simply to get a cute picture that some people are going to like on social media. That is foolish. Why would you ever do something like that? Why would you play around for just a, a momentary piece of joy with your life? But here's the bottom line. So many of us do the exact same thing with our life when it comes to the issue of physical intimacy in marriage and unfaithfulness and the sin of unfaithfulness. The Bible says in Proverbs, can a man play with fire and not be burned? And there's so many people who are just like those people who destroyed their lives trying to get a selfie, who are playing around with this, who are hoping to get, you know, some joy and satisfaction out of it. And for a few moments of pleasure, 
are blowing up their entire life. And it is, it's dumb. And the problem is that so many of these people don't see the danger that they're in. They think it's no big deal. I'm just having a little bit of fun. It's never going to go anywhere anyways. And you don't see how right now you're in danger like those people trying to take the selfies. You don't see how this harmless flirtation is going to blow up your life. You don't see how the pornography that you're viewing is warping your mind to view women the same way that Hugh Hefner looked at women rather than looking at women the way that Jesus looks at women. You don't see right now that these patterns you're putting in your life will one day lead you to a point where your kids will never forgive you for what you did to their mom, for what you did to their dad. The good news is Proverbs here in Proverbs chapter five gives us wisdom to save us from destroying our lives. Now, it's not the kind of wisdom that you think. As we said, people think that Proverbs is just this Israelite dear Abby. It's just tips on how to live life. It's just getting the right information. But the problem is simply transferring information doesn't rescue you and doesn't change your life. It doesn't work simply to have the right facts. And the reason why it doesn't work simply to have the right facts is Proverbs tells us that wisdom and foolishness aren't simply a set of facts, that wisdom and folly are persons, that they are personal, that, that foolishness is a predator that is hunting you down and trying to wreck your life. And that ultimately that, that points us to Satan, 1 Corinthians 7, who's trying to destroy your marriage. Foolishness and, and wisdom, these two ladies represent two ways of thinking. The, the wisdom from below, that's satanic wisdom, and the heavenly wisdom that comes from above. And so this wisdom from below, this foolish wisdom, there are spiritual realities behind it that are pursuing you, trying to trap you. And on the other side, the wisdom of God is a person, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is pursuing you, trying to rescue you and to help you walk in the way of heavenly wisdom. And so we see here that wisdom wants us to have a marriage that isn't destroyed, that isn't just survived, but is enjoyed. That's what wisdom is trying to do, to protect us from destroying our marriage and instead to give us a happy marriage. And so how do you get a happy marriage? How do you have a happy marriage? Well, there's three things we see in this text. The first thing we see is this. You have to be aware of how unfaithfulness starts. It starts with communication and attraction. You have to be aware of how unfaithfulness starts. It starts with communication and attraction. Look what the Bible says here in Proverbs chapter 5 and verse 1. We'll read down through verse 7 to prepare for our study. And this is what Solomon writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. My son, be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding that you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge. For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path to Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander and she does not know it. And now, O sons, listen to me and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Solomon warns his son here about the sin of real physical unfaithfulness that you can fall into. He's warning his son about the sin of real physical 
unfaithfulness. And let's just be clear what the Bible means when it talks about unfaithfulness or immorality in this area. It means any deviation from exclusive intimacy with your heterosexual spouse. And yes, in this day and age, we've got to say all of those words. Any deviation from exclusive intimacy with your heterosexual spouse is a sin. Whether it's pre-marriage or extra-marriage, any deviation from that pattern that God's design is a sin. And so the dad is warning his son about this. Now, let's be clear. He's not a sexist, all right? You say, he's just acting like all these women are out here trying to trap his son, and, and I just can't believe that he would say that. Here's the deal. Proverbs is a father talking to a son. If it was a mom talking to a daughter, she'd say, hey, beware of all those dogs out there trying to get you to give something to them that doesn't belong to them, okay? But this is a dad talking to his son. If it was a mom talking to a, a daughter, it, it would be the exact same thing, because Let's just be honest. There are man-eaters and there are cowboy Casanovas, all right? And so he's warning his son about this. And it's not just that. The son is not an innocent victim in this. He says, you're accountable to make these decisions. You are responsible for your actions. And so he's warning him. And he says the first place that unfaithfulness starts is not necessarily where we think. It starts with communication. And verse three talks about her Lips drip honey, her speech is smoother than oil. Her smooth words rival the wise words that the father is trying to teach the son. And the question is, who's he gonna listen to? Is he gonna listen to the woman with her oily tongue or is he going to listen to the dad with his wisdom? And it's no surprise, it shouldn't surprise us that unfaithfulness starts with communication because men are suckers for flattery and being buttered up and women crave conversation and crave communication. And so that's where it starts. And you'll do something that you never dreamed that you would do. And it all starts with just a little bit of communication. Hey, I wonder what my old high school girlfriend is up to. It's not gonna be any big deal if I message her on Facebook. Hey, I wonder what my old high school boyfriend is up to. Maybe I should try to connect with them on social media. Man, there's this woman at work and I mean, she laughs at my jokes when my wife doesn't laugh at my jokes and she thinks I'm funny and my wife thinks I'm corny. There's this guy I met at the gym and that we talk sometimes and he actually listens to me and he's not distracted and, and he gets me and he understands what I'm going through and it's, it's easy to talk to him. And these kinds of things should be warning signs to us that, that, that you're sensing some dis dissatisfaction in your relationship with your spouse and you're finding that satisfaction in somebody other than your spouse. And it all starts with communication and it will lead you somewhere that you never wanted to go. The second way that we are pulled into unfaithfulness is attraction. Listen to what the Bible says in Proverbs 6, verse 25. Solomon says, do not desire her beauty in your heart and do not let her capture you with her eyelashes. That's the second way. Just like Jesus says, don't lust after a woman in your heart. He says, don't desire her, lust after her in your heart. Attraction is another weapon that pulls us away from loyalty to our spouse. And we have to understand that we live in a culture where pornography is, is everywhere and easily accessible. And everything in our culture really is over-sexualized. Commercials and, and clothing and sitcoms and movies and all these kinds of things. And it's killing us. 
It's training people to view intimacy in merely selfish terms, in merely about what it is for me, and to, to view women as objects rather than the image bearers of God who are to be loved and served. And so it's warping our brains and it's causing us to think things about intimacy and marriage that we should never think in the first place. Now, on the other hand, no, for, for guys, that's a big, that's a huge issue. For women, that is an issue for some, but for others, it's, it's watching romantic comedies or, or reading romance books and, and seeing the main character in those movies or in those books and thinking to yourself, man, I wish my husband were like that. I wish my husband would be sensitive like that. I wish my husband would be funny like that. I wish my husband would talk to me like that. And then you're creating, by watching this and, and consuming this, you're creating dissatisfaction in your marriage. And here's the bottom line for men and for women. Your standard for beauty and your standard for handsome is not some external measurement or some external criteria that the world is telling you, this is what's handsome, this is what's beautiful. Your standard of beauty, husbands, is your wife. And your standard of handsomeness, wife, is your husband. And that's who you find attractive. And so if you're married to a woman who's eight months pregnant, you know what you find attractive? Eight-month pregnant woman with a, with a baby bump. That's what you find attractive. That's your standard of beauty. Remember one time John Piper said he was asked by a guy, he said, man, I, I just don't know if the woman I married is the right woman and the, the woman that God has for me. How, how can I figure that out? And John Piper said, pull out your marriage certificate, look at the name on there, and if it's the name of your wife, you married the right person, and that's the person God intends you to be with. And so, so your husband is your standard of what's handsome. Your wife is your standard of what's beautiful. And, and so don't allow attraction and communication to pull your heart away from your spouse. Let it pull your heart towards your spouse as you communicate with one another and as you are attracted to one another. So, so be aware of how unfaithfulness starts. Secondly, be warned of the consequences of unfaithfulness. And there are temporary consequences and there are eternal consequences. The, the, the sage here, Solomon, warns us of the consequences so that we can heed them not want to experience them, and then walk in purity. Look what he says here in verse 8. Keep your way far from her, and do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your honor to others and your years to the merciless, lest strangers take their fill of your strength and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. And at the end of your life, you groan when your flesh and body are consumed, and you say, how I hated discipline and my heart despised reproof. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to my instructors, I am at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. The first set of consequences that he warns us about are temporary consequences. If you are unfaithful to your spouse, you're going to waste your time. You're going to lose your money, at least half. You're going to potentially lose your health. You're going to be filled with regret and think, man, I should have listened when I had the chance. How foolish was I? You're going to lose your reputation and the respect of your kids. As my youth pastor told me, when I was in, in youth ministry, he said, when you grow up and get married, if you fail here, your wife's going to leave you. She's going to marry somebody else and somebody else is going to kiss your wife goodnight and somebody else is going to tuck your kids in the bed at night when they go to sleep. And that's exactly what Solomon's warning his son. You're going to lose everything if you fall in this area. And so often we don't think about the consequences. 
There's an article a friend of mine wrote a couple years ago at the Gospel Coalition called Envision the End of Your Sin. And he's, he's trying to, to imagine what it would be like as a husband who's been unfaithful to his wife to go home and to have to tell her what's happened. And, and so here's the scenario. Let me just read this to you. It's a great picture of Proverbs chapter five. He says, I want you to picture walking out to your car and getting in. Drive down the road near your house and circle your neighborhood a few times. Picture the place where you walk your dog with your children in the evenings. Now pull into your driveway and walk up to the door of your home. Hear the scampering feet of your children running up to you and putting their arms around your legs, saying, Daddy's home. See the way they love and trust you. Drink that in deeply. Now tell them to go outside and play because you must talk to mommy about something. As you walk into the kitchen where she's faithfully going about her day, look at those smiling pictures on the wall. Remember the happy days you shared together. Lead her by the hand to your bedroom where you used to lay down together. Ask her to have a seat. Feel the lump form in your throat. See her eyes ask you what's wrong. Then watch her weep as you tell her you've been unfaithful. Hear her wail. See her sob. Feel her hit your chest and fall to her knees in despair. Imagine the phone call to your parents and to hers. Hear the silence on the phone as they take in what you've told them. Imagine the day that you gather your children and sit them down to explain why mommy and daddy are going to spend some time apart and sell the house that they love so much. See yourself taking down those smiling pictures from the wall and taping up those moving boxes, unsure if you'll ever open them again. Do you see it? Sin doesn't tell you about those days, does it? And this is what Solomon tells us. If you fail here, you're going to experience temporary consequences. The next thing he says is you're going to experience eternal consequences. Yes, if you fail here, you're going to ruin your life. That's true. Yes, if you fail here, you're going to ruin your reputation. That's true. Yes, you're going to cause your kids to hate you. But even more than that, it's going to send you to hell. It's going to send you to the judgment. The temporary consequences, the grief and the pain that you feel over losing those things in a temporary fashion is just a foretaste of the final judgment. And here's the bottom line. Right now, you may think nobody knows about it. I've deleted the internet history. Nobody's going to find out. She and I made a pact. We're not going to tell anybody. Nobody's ever going to find out what happened. But there is one person who knows, even if nobody else knows, and that's God. Listen to what Solomon says here in verse 21. For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he is held fast in the cords of his sin. He dies for lack of discipline, and because of his great folly, he is led astray. Even if nobody else knows... God knows. He sees it and he will hold you accountable. And too often we talk about the sin of unfaithfulness merely at the level of self-interest. Don't do this or you'll have to pay alimony. Don't do this or you'll have to pay child support. Don't do this or you'll wreck your family. And all those things are true, but we rarely use the word that Jesus used, which is hell. That you, that the immoral will not inherit the kingdom of God, Paul tells us. The Bible is clear about that. And so listen, if you are, are engaged in this kind of sin right now and you don't feel conviction about it, then you should question whether or not your relationship with Jesus is real. I don't care what you did 30 years ago at Vacation Bible School. 
if it's not affecting your life, if you are not guilt-stricken by your unfaithfulness, then you should question where you stand with Jesus. Because Jesus says, listen, since hell is real, do whatever it takes to avoid impurity. Gouge out your eye, cut off your hand, do whatever it takes. And so be warned of the consequences and do whatever it takes. Listen, you don't have to have a smartphone, get a flip phone. You don't have to have the internet on your phone. You say, John, that's crazy. No, no, it's crazy to have a smartphone and go into hell, Jesus says. So you don't have to have a smartphone. Get an accountability group, put blocking software on your computer, never be on your computer alone. Do whatever it takes for you to remain faithful to your spouse. Never be alone with a man or woman who isn't your bride. Do everything that you can to to put these boundaries in place to protect yourself. But the last thing I want us to understand is all of those things are good and you should do them. But the no by itself will never be enough. You can always get around the no until you put in the place of the no something more beautiful and more attractive than the thing that you are being pulled to. And that's why the last thing we see here is that we need to embrace the good news of Jesus Christ. We need to embrace the gospel and we need to embrace the the gospel in two ways, horizontally and vertically, okay? The first is horizontally. The, 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 The gospel, the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter five, marriage, God gave us marriage to point us to the gospel of how Christ lays down his life for his bride and how the bride loves Christ and respects him. That's the, the story that every single one of our marriages should tell. Our marriages should tell a gospel story of people who are exclusively committed to one another. And so Solomon tells us here, embrace this, embrace the gospel horizontally as we find it in marriage. Listen to what he says there, starting in verse 15. Drink water from your own cistern. He's talking about exclusive intimacy in marriage. Drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets? Let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. A lovely deer, a graceful doe, let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? He says, in very, in very delicate language, okay, very intimate language, I don't have time to and don't want to unpack. In very delicate language, he is saying, husbands and wives, be satisfied in one another. Husband, be satisfied in your wife. Replace the no, just the, hey, we don't talk about this, don't think about it. Replace the no with something positive, with something stronger, which is exclusive intimacy in marriage. As Tremper Longman, the great Proverbs scholar says, the best defense against unfaithfulness is a strong offense in marriage, okay? The best defense against unfaithfulness is a strong offense in marriage. And that's the exact same thing Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6 and 7. You wanna avoid immorality, the way you do that is exclusive and regular intimacy with your wife. And he says, if you don't do that, if you're not consistent, you're giving Satan room to destroy your marriage. And so be satisfied with your Spouse, true intimacy is only found in an exclusive relationship for a lifetime, a husband with a wife. And so you husbands get a chance to be an expert on one woman for your entire life. Pursue her, 
date her all the time that you're married, be romantic with her, communicate with her, do your best to learn her and to study her and to pursue her and to pursue satisfaction and joy in your marriage for your entire lifetime. You get a chance to be an expert on one person and that's the most enjoyable and fulfilling thing in the world. So, so embrace the gospel as it's laid out in human marriage. And then lastly, embrace the gospel vertically. Bow your knee to King Jesus. You need a king to rescue you because you failed in this area. And you need a king that you can bow the knee to and swear your allegiance to who can then turn around and make you wise and produce wisdom in your life. And that's what we see here. Solomon, he failed with women. And so he warns his son and warns his son. And guess what? His son also failed with women. And the truth is all of us, as one preacher said one time, every person north of puberty is a, is a sexual sinner. Every person past puberty is, is gonna struggle with this, whether it's struggling in the mind or struggling in action. Every single one of us north of puberty is at danger here. But here's the hope of Proverbs as we talked about a couple of weeks ago. The hope of Proverbs is that there will be a king who is faithful. There will be a king who is pure. There will be a king who is greater than Solomon who will succeed where he and everybody else failed. And this one who's greater than Solomon, the Lord Jesus Christ, the son of David, he doesn't defile himself with women. No, he purifies defiled women when he comes into contact with them. And he doesn't use women as objects for his own gratification. No, he lays down his life for his bride. He sacrifices himself for his bride. That's the gospel story. And the gospel story is a transcendent love story. G.K. Chesterton, the great English author, said that there's better theology in fairy tales than there is in most Christian books. And I think he's right. And one of the fairy tales he points to is Sleeping Beauty. If you think about the movie Sleeping Beauty, you've got this, this princess who's under a curse and there's this dragon who has her under that curse and the prince scales the black mountain, fights off the thorns, slays the dragon and rescues his bride. And Ephesians chapter five and Revelation chapter 12 tell us that's the gospel. That this is the, the gospel is a transcendent love story where the king has rescued his queen from the curse. And it's only when that love story and it's only when that king is more beautiful to you than the thrill of an affair or the thrill of pornography that you'll be free to walk in purity. And so let that story captivate you and free you from unfaithfulness to your spouse. Listen, some of you right now are listening to this and you're not scared at all and you don't feel any danger, but you're taking selfies with sharks right now. And you're setting patterns in your life and you're involved in communication in your life that one may, may one day blow up your entire family. And so you need to be warned and you need to turn around and repent. And some of you, you wanna follow God's design and you wanna have that happy marriage that's enjoyed, but you feel crushed because you've already come up short and you think, man, I'm, I feel broken. I feel ashamed. I don't know what to do to pick up the pieces of my life. Well, let me just tell you this. There's a guy a couple weeks ago who sent me an email. I want to read this to you as we close. Uh, he was reading my book called Exalting Jesus in Proverbs, and he, he just sent me this email out of the blue to tell me a story. He said, I want to tell you how much 
your work in exalting Jesus in Proverbs has hit home to me. Although painful and convicting, Proverbs is God's word. For me, chapters five through seven hit me in a way I wish it never would have. I sadly have a story of, of sin, of unfaithfulness that has rerouted my life in ways that I could never have imagined. My story consists of addiction. Acting out with pornography grew to where it wasn't enough. I was never satisfied. It eventually manifested itself in a three-week affair with a coworker. Shame was absolutely ripping me apart inside. No matter how much I tried, I couldn't stop. I couldn't tell anyone. You know, good little Christians don't do this kind of thing. Even secretly using my wife and children as motivation wasn't enough to stop the downward avalanche of my life. The lies, the hiding, the masks, the pretending, the shame, they were too much for me to hold anymore. I couldn't let the truth out. It would crush my wife and destroy whatever integrity I had in my children's eyes. What would people think? If they really knew me, they would hate me. That's what I thought of myself. I hated me so much, I decided to have an accident so that no one would find out the truth of my secret life. But God had a different plan. He stopped me literally in the nick of time. Like I said, God had a different agenda for me. Just a few days later, I was confronted by another coworker who was also a dear friend. He stuck his neck out, willing to lose a friendship to save me from myself. It was the first time I could think with a clear head. I could hear the Holy Spirit say, if you really want out of this mess, all you have to do is turn around. I'm right here. This will be the toughest thing you will ever do, but you can trust me. I've got you. It was the first time I told the truth. It was like an elephant fell off my shoulders. The honesty caused me to live again. It did throw my bride headfirst into a nightmare that she did not deserve. You talk of the consequences of this disgusting sin and you are dead on. The fallout has been beyond words. Not only did I lose my job and income, we lost our church home. We lost friends. My, life, my wife lost friends because she trusted God with the decision to give me another opportunity to be faithful. Of all the things lost, the finances, the friends, our church, and the list could keep going. The most devastating loss for me was the loss of my best friend's trust. She stayed and has endured so much pain and heartache with the hope of trusting me again. She is a warrior. It's now been more than four and a half years since our world crash. This is where the story gets good. The story is actually about God's grace being played out in my freedom and the restoration of our marriage and family. It gets better. God has given us the opportunity of walking with other couples who are on the same path we have and continue to walk. We want these couples who many times are seen by friends, family, family, and sadly, even their church as lepers to see what is possible with God's power of forgiveness and grace. It is so like God to turn what I believed would destroy everything into the best marriage we've ever had. I tell you all this to say, please keep preaching the truth. There is a man out there who needs to hear it. His wife needs her husband back. His children need their daddy to be their daddy. He needs to know that his life matters to God and that he matters and that there's a way out of the hell that he's living in. And it's the good news of Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast. If you have questions or topics or texts you would like us to consider for future podcasts, please contact us at ChristCenteredAndClear at gmail.com and please visit us at ChristCenteredAndClear.com for more resources.